0: Can we just stop one more time and say thank you to all our moms in the house today, moms watching online? Thank you, moms. Happy Mother's Day to you. I think it's crazy because we could never really adequately say words that describe the gratitude that's in our hearts for moms. I don't think there's a card out there or a video out there. We do our best to try to pick the right card. We do our best to try to write... Because even though we have the card, we still want to write something in there. And and how many of you have been trying to write something over the past few days? Some of you right now are going to write it like when you get out of church because you just forgot. Um, And and you're just, I don't know what to say. I don't know what to say to top last year. I don't know what to say that could really adequately say thank you. Because moms have this gift. They they do things that nobody else can do. Um, There's a Jewish proverb that says this. A mother understands what a child does not say. Now, that's amazing to me. Uh, how do you say thank you for that? I, I just don't think you can. I think one of the most amazing things about moms um, is that as such an indescribable gift that they are, they look at their kids and they say that they're just as much of an indescribable gift. Isn't that amazing? Dads do it too, but not like Mom's. Moms are this indescribable gift, but yet they look at their kids and say the same thing. You, they're, they're an indescribable gift to them. Now, if you have kids between the ages of 9 and 19, just trust me, you'll say it eventually. Um, or, or say it again. There's like a little little space in there where um, you just kind of wish they would either stay small or hurry up and grow up. I get it. Uh, but no matter how much of a, of a gift... Moms are somehow, they, they just see their kids as an indescribable gift. Uh, I heard a quote recently that said, Motherhood is the beautiful inconvenience of being another person's everything. Moms, does that ring a bell for you? No matter how much of a gift moms are, they, just, they look at their kids as an even bigger gift. That's probably why they're so much better nurturers than dads. You ever think about that? It's not that dads don't have their own strengths, uh, but moms just seem to, to do it better. Let's just face it. We just get things done differently, don't we? Let me show you a picture that illustrates what I mean here. (laughs) Moms nurture. Dads do it different. (laughs) We we focus on results sometimes and not really how we get the end results. I I heard something recently that kind of attributes to moms, uh, another great quality that moms have. Moms will risk it all to help. You ever notice that? They will do whatever, they will risk everything to help. Uh, There was a story about uh, a mom who recently finished a CPR class at a local community college, and she went with her daughter to the mall after they got done. The mall was really pumped up about knowing CPR, and when they get to the mall, they, they see a crowd of people around a very still body lying on the ground. And the mom literally takes off running with a, a strength and a speed that she didn't even know herself that she could muster. And the daughter's kind of watching this. And she, the mom's running, get out of the way, everybody move, I know CPR. And she jumps down next to the body, and right before she begins CPR, she feels these strong hands pick her up and set her on her feet. And she hears a police officer say, ma'am, we're trying to arrest this man. <laughs> 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 But that's mom. Mom, It doesn't matter. Mom's going to help. Mom's going to go into danger. Mom's going to do whatever it takes. Happy Mother's Day, mom. Don't forget about your gift when you walk out today. I'm I'm so glad you're here with us today. We've been in this series called Church Is, and we're talking about stereotypes. So churches, insert the stereotype here, the different kinds of stereotypes that people have labeled the church with. uh, Maybe you've heard some of them. Maybe you've said some of them. And more than likely, the church has probably earned some of them, at least to some extent. But we're we're just tackling these stereotypes and giving an honest biblical look at what they are, maybe how we've kind of earned some of it, and what the Bible really says about it. And today, we're going to hit a popular one, maybe that we don't say a lot, but we all kind of instinctively do in our day and age. And that is this, church is a building. Church is a building. It's interesting because as Christians, uh, we know that this statement isn't true necessarily, right? You you probably, if you've been a Christian any time, you you probably have heard that the church isn't a building at all. The church is people. But it's interesting that we spend about 90% of our Christian activity here on Sunday morning. At least that's the, that's the nature. That's what we're tempted to do. Um, others of you, maybe you haven't ever heard the difference, and that's okay. Uh, maybe you're, you're not a Christian here today. You're welcome here. Um, and somebody invited you to church, and they brought you here. So you maybe not think of, of, of anything else. Why would you think any different? Uh, but, but can you imagine saying that your family is a building I want you to think about that for a minute. Your family is a building. I think moms would be the first ones to say that the family is not a house. A family is a group of people that love each other, that are there for each other, that do life with each other through ups and downs and celebrations and joys and and hurts. Families live and they move and they breathe and they grow. In fact, your mom was probably the one thinking about you and hurting over you and praying for you the majority of the time when you weren't even home. Can somebody say amen to that? It's mom, and she'd be the first one to say that, no, family is not a building. And if all the significance and power of God's church rested in a building, we'd be limited to being useful to him about once or twice a week for an hour. But Jesus said this in Matthew 16, 18, give you some context here. He said, I will build my church. Whose is it? It's his church. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Maybe some of you have heard that verse, but the, the word church in the Greek, what he was actually saying, it's a word that means an assembly of called out people. It's, it's an assembly, it's a gathering together. It's, it's people. Uh, are, are buildings an assembly? Can they be an assembly of people? They can't. It, it can't happen. The church doesn't have uh, hands and feet, the church has bricks. That the church is not made up of walls and a roof; it's made up of souls, embodied by hearts, embodied by vocal cords that can go out and love and be the hands and feet of Jesus Christ, who is the Son of God. Now, for some of you, you're hearing this for the first time. Others of you, it's it's just kind of elementary. You've heard this before, but I want you to look at a couple of things that the church is, just really fast. Church is this. Church is a family. It's a family. Ephesians 2.19, this is the Apostle Paul talking in the New Testament. He said, you are members of God's very own family. First thing to know is it's God's family, not ours. It's his. We get to be a part of it because of what Jesus did in us. He said, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. And so we get this really concrete picture that it starts with a commitment to God. And whether you realize it or not, being a part of God's family is a commitment also to one another it starts with god and then it's a commitment to each other the church is a family it's also a community it's a community romans 12:5 same author paul said this to the roman church and us today in christ in jesus we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others why am i telling you these scriptures because it's not about a building it is about one another it's about one another It's to be about being a close-knit family, a community. And membership, if you want to use that word, we don't use it around here. Maybe some of you know what that means. It's not just something about putting my name on a piece of paper that the church has record of. It's actually about not being a spectator, but about being a participator. It's about not just being a consumer, but being a contributor. About getting together with one another in the church and doing life together. I heard about a guy one time that came out of a Sunday morning service, and this old timey preacher grabbed him by the arm and said, It's about time you got into the Lord's army. And he said, I am in the Lord's army. <laughs> he said, Then how come I only see you on, on Christmas and Easter? He said, Because I'm in the secret service. <laughs> Fact is, there are no secret agents in the kingdom of God. We're a family, it's not a building, it's a community. The church is about one another. And and you know what our purpose is? The purpose of the church. Believe it or not, it's not going to come here on Sunday mornings and hear great music and listen to a guy or a gal preach and say some things out of the Bible. The point of the church, the purpose of it, is to do what Jesus said right before he left, and that is go tell people about me. (laughs) Go take what you have and give it to other people. He said go make disciples. It's to lead people to Christ. That's it. That's what it's all about. It comes in different kinds of philosophies. Different churches do it different ways, guys. There's nothing scriptural about the way this service looks or feels necessarily. That's philosophy. Different churches do it different. I, my parents go to a church. It's it's very old timey. I actually love going there. There's about a hundred people that go there, and they don't have lights. They don't have big sound systems or anything like that. You know what? Who cares? Are people getting saved there? That's what matters. Are people coming to Christ there? That's what matters. There are churches that are a lot smaller than this one, and there are churches that are a lot bigger than this one. What difference does it make as long as they're leading people to Christ? That is the purpose of the church. 33 people have said yes to Jesus Christ at the Bridge Goldsboro this year. Yeah, that's something to celebrate, because if we're not doing that, if that's not happening, if that number isn't growing, if we're not doing that, then we're doing something wrong. I don't care how good we all feel when we leave here. Somebody better say amen to me. Somebody better agree today because this is what the church is about. If, if that number doesn't grow, we, we've got a problem. We've we become stuck. Um, can I be honest? I wonder how many people are saying yes to Jesus Christ not because of a good church service. Those are numbers that we recorded here because people put it on a Connect card and they said yes to Jesus Christ as a part of a Sunday morning service. I am so grateful for that. That's why we... We give a call to that every single week. You're going to hear me do it at the end of this, at the end of this as well. But I wonder how many people are saying yes to Jesus Christ, and not because of being here, but because somebody sees your life. And because they see you, they see Jesus Christ. And they're inspired to say yes to Jesus. I have a phrase that I want you to hear me say today, and I want you to learn, and I want you to adopt it today, because this is the phrase that God will whisper to you in your life. And that is this: this is church. I want you to say that. This is church. Say it again. This is church. Say it one more time. This is church. That phrase will absolutely amaze you when you're in the middle of your day and you hear him whisper it. It will, it will amaze you because it will happen deep within you as he opens up your eyes in your, the, the normal routine of your life and you hear him say, this is church in a place where it looks nothing like a church service. In the middle of life's joys, God will whisper to you, This is church. In the middle of somebody's daunting pain, God will whisper to you and gently remind you that this is, is church. And a lot of these situations are difficult to understand, maybe at first, because how could they be equated to what we think of as church? Because they look absolutely nothing like a church service like we're in right now, or maybe what you've been a part of. Most of the time, there's no stage. A lot of times, there's no preacher, and there are no lights. There's no sound system. There's no kids' church. Oftentimes, it's a mundane job. It's the bank. uh, But God will show up and tell you in a voice that feels like a whisper way down deep inside of you, but it's deep enough within your spirit that it resounds like thunder, and it's unmistakable as you hear him say deep within you, this is church. And you'll more than likely not be in a church service when you hear God whisper that to you. Do do you know when the church stands out the most? Do you know when the church is is seen for what it really is supposed to be? It doesn't happen in here. It happens in life when it's functioning as it was intended to, and whenever you hear God whisper that phrase to you, this is This is church. And it happens when when this happens. It happens when we put our own agendas aside to be there to help each other. That's when people see it, when we put our own agenda aside to help each other through pain. It happens whenever we put our own agendas aside to carry each other's burdens. And if you'll get quiet enough in your spirit, you'll hear God say, not just when doing a good deed, but when you're actually being what God called you to do, you'll hear God whisper to your heart, this is church right here. And, and here's why we, we mess that up. And here's why the stereotype exists that the church is a building is because of this. I want everyone to raise your hand and say, I am human. <laughs> That's why we mess it up. It's a little thing called humanity. And we, little thing, I'm being facetious, it's a big thing. And we all have within us the desire to put our own self first. If you've ever flown a commercial plane... Uh, and you've been sitting in the waiting room next to the gate, and you've er ever heard the announcement come over, uh, we need several people to give up their seat on this plane because we've overbooked our flight. Anybody ever heard that? And your first response is, yeah, I'm not doing it. Let's see who else raises their hand. And then they give some sort of incentive, whether it's a free flight somewhere else, or they're going to give you a prize package, or they're going to give you free Wi-Fi on the next flight. And they're going to, they are to—they try to give you an incentive. Airlines overbook their flights so that they can make sure they pack as many people as they can on the planes, hoping people won't show up or they'll cancel, and then they'll still have a full flight. So you're sitting there, they've overbooked it, and everyone actually showed up. And they don't have enough seats for the people who have actually paid for tickets. Uh, you know, it's crazy. But they, they, they need someone to give it up, and you're not even going to think about it unless there's an incentive. And and it's like we we just feel right then, okay, I need to weigh my options here. Nobody wants to do that. Everybody wants to get on with their life. Everybody wants to get to their destination. Nobody wants their, their schedule ruined. And it's kind of the mentality that we have as human beings. I don't want to give up my comfort unless there's something in it for me. And even then, we really think twice. Let me have to, I'm going to have to think about this. And now, now we may not live like that all the time or think like that all the time, but we fight the urge to because we're human. Can we just be self-aware about that for a minute? But I don't want you to shame yourself because we're born that way. That's why babies cry in the middle of the night, and they don't don't give any thought to how much sleep you've had. They want it, and they want it now, and they're not going to stop until you until you go. We're born that way. The Bible says that even in the womb, David said, I was sinful. That's the way we are as human beings. And so we're born and we fight the urge our entire lives to put ourselves first. And and, and we, we do this. Uh, my aunt got a glimpse of this whenever she babysat her grandkids um, a couple of years ago. That day she had a bunch of cucumbers that she needed to make pickles. Um, and she that was going to be what she did that day. And the granddaughters came over and they said, what are we going to do today, grandma? And grandma said, we're going to make pickles. And... They kind of looked confused, like, we don't want to make pickles. And she said, uh, the little girl looked at her and said, the oldest of the three, she said, if you're going to babysit us, you're going to need to come up with some activities for us to do. <laughs> and Grandma said, we're making pickles. <laughs> That's the activity that we're doing. But we're born this way. We're born this way to, to, to fight the urge to put ourselves first. And, and, and guys, in order to be the church... In order to have those experiences where we're giving up of ourselves and we hear God whisper, this is church, right here, when when you give up, we, we have to fight that urge with everything in us. And we have to give way and yield to the Holy Spirit's voice in our lives. Jesus said it like this in John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35. He said this, a new command I give you. He said, love one another as I have loved you. The old command was love each other as you want to be. But he said, no, no, that's not good enough anymore. He said, there's a new one. I want you to love each other as I have loved you. That's the template. That's, that's the example. He said, so you must love one another. And by this, everybody, everyone will know that you're my disciples if you love one another. Now, can you imagine Jesus saying that? And we today have hindsight and we look back and we have the scriptures in totality and we, we look and we see everything that Jesus did. And he says, I want you to love each other like that. There was a church in Philippi, and they were being persecuted for being Christians. They they were being hurt for being Christians, called out. They were were being hurt badly. And Paul, the apostle, writes to this church, and he's writing to us today. And this is what he says in chapter 2 of Philippians. I'm going to read eight verses here, but he says this. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if you have any comfort from his love, if you have any common sharing in the Spirit, Of any tenderness and compassion, look at what he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded and having that same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. And and then he goes further. And I'm just going to kind of, let's just kind of wind in here and and lean in and, and hear this together. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility, value others above yourselves. Now that's hard because you know what? We can value other people when it's convenient. But it's really hard to grasp that verse and put it into context and actually value someone better than me. I don't mind doing that as long as I don't have to lower myself too much. I don't mind valuing somebody else better than me as long as I can still be exalted and lifted up. I don't mind giving somebody a few bucks here and there as long as I have the few bucks to spare. Because my comfortability in the back of my mind, I've still got something to make me comfortable. I I don't mind giving somebody my time as long as I feel like I've got time to give them today. But he says, you know what, don't do it when it's convenient. He said, give till it hurts. That means put someone else above you. Doesn't that seem kind of one-sided, Pastor Ryan? No, it doesn't, not if we're all doing it. If you think about a marriage, the best marriage that you could ever have is when you have two people that are giving one another 100%. Marriage is not 50-50. Hear me, married folks. Marriage is 100-100. It's when I put you above me, and you put me above you, and when you have both people doing that, that is something very beautiful. It's like this, it's like this tornado of love that just keeps going and doesn't stop. Is that a fun example? <laughs> now, think about the church. Think about if we were just laying our, our lives down for each other and putting ourselves less than, and everybody was putting everybody else first. Can you imagine what that would be like? There wouldn't be any one-sided. The church would be functioning just as it was intended to function. And Jesus' words would come true. Hey, everybody else would see what you're doing, and they would know that you're my church. Not because you come to a church service, or not because it's cool here, or not because you can raise your hands, or not because you have a bumper sticker or a doormat. He said, they're going to know you're my church. You're going to be functioning just as you were intended to function because of the love that you have for each other. And so he says that, and he says, look, don't, don't look to your own interests, but each of you look to the interests of others in your relationships with one another. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, this is where he really steps on our toes here. This is, this is the example that he gives us. He says, be like Christ, who, being in very nature God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, not to be used to his own advantage. But rather, Jesus made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. He, he kind of separates that because Jesus didn't have to die. He was actually a holy, righteous being. He was God, but he made himself become a human being. And what happens to human beings, eventually we all, we, we all die. So, so he actually embodied, uh, uh, became embodied in a human a human body, and he became subject to death, even death on a cross. This amazes me because he was God, and then he makes himself nothing, becoming a man in order to serve other people. And this is the example that we have. <laughs> and you're like, dang it, Jesus. Can you give me something else? He's No, that's the example. Jesus being God, becoming Oh, man, and I just want you to think about, just if, if we can for a minute, wrap our brains around the contrast between heaven and earth. I want you to think about that. The, the, think about the difference, how far Jesus went in order to serve us. In heaven, no pain, no suffering at all, nothing. We can't even begin to imagine what that feels like. We, we don't know. So some of us, all of us, we just got to kind of picture that in faith. No pain and no suffering. He goes to feeling the pain of being born, feeling the, the pain of being a human, Then not only being one with God, but he's in the the, the presence of God Almighty continually. Now he has to live by faith, believing in something that he doesn't see with his eyes. Man, being free with limitless power to operate with the power of love of an almighty God to feeling the weight of being a human, feeling the weight of death, feeling the weight of temptation, feeling the weight of... Of rejection and to think that he did this because he knew it wasn't about him. but it was about somebody else. How could it be not about him? How could it not be about him? He's God. How could it not be about him? Yet he didn't make it about him. He said he made it about us. He made it about you, so much so that he went from heaven to earth, not only to serve you in the most loving way possible, by, by taking on your sin. And taking on for you what you couldn't take on for yourself, but also dying in the most tragic way possible, death on a Roman cross. And I could sit here for two hours and talk about the difference in just what it means to just die a natural death and the physicality of what it meant to actually die uh, an execution by Romans who were perfectionists and experts at torture. They They knew exactly where to put things in you where you wouldn't bleed to death. You would just die very slow and very painful. And they did it to Jesus. And so Paul is telling us in a very extreme way, the truth about what God is asking us to do as a church, make it about others. And if Jesus did that for us, then we should have no problem at all putting down our comfort and putting others first. Somebody say amen to that. And when we do, our hearts will be opened. And if we'll get quiet enough in doing that, we'll hear God tell us, this is church. This is church. How do we do that? How do we do it? I, I, I just got to say, and this is the most ironic thing probably I'll say all day, but it goes through the stereotype. It's not going to happen in here. 95% of the time, maybe even greater, it's not going to happen in here. Guys and gals, this is the easiest thing you'll do all week. You get served here and a lot of you serve here and, and, and maybe you, you hear that voice and I'm so grateful for you. But when we sit in a service, in an air conditioned room with padded seats and hear an encouraging message, it's the easiest thing we do all week. This is church, that whisper, that that call, that, that encouragement, that whisper that he speaks into our hearts to let us know that we're doing exactly what he wanted us to do. It starts here, but it happens out there. There's a story about a a seventeen-year-old boy who grew up his entire life in church and never really felt like the preacher was saying anything that related to him. And I don't know why, this is his story. And he says it wasn't until he got with a group of people and somebody invited him into their home and got with a bunch of other teenagers and he went to this camp, something that the church was putting on, the bridge church. And they begin to do some really awesome things together. They begin to praise God together. They begin to fellowship together, have food together, just hang out together. And the student leaders at this church took him in and he began to, feel, this is his words, I felt something in my heart that I never felt before. And he said, the very next Sunday, I came and during the prayer time, I said yes to Jesus Christ and I accepted him to lead my life. And he's getting baptized in the very next service right here. You know when it happened? When he got into a small group of people that cared and loved him. Not to say there's not people that that. You know, don't love him or don't care for him. But it happened when the church surrounded him and didn't make it about a church service, but they made it about doing life together. And that's just one of our many groups that meet outside of this building as a part of being the church. And to hear God whisper into them, this is this is church, this is it, right here. I'm so grateful for Emmy Havery, who is our student uh, leader, and she is, yeah, Yeah, let's take a second and do that. Take a second. She's passionate about these students. And Jennifer Heatley, who's our bridge kids, I could talk about all of our senior leaders and all the leaders that serve under them, how passionate they are. All of our bridge group leaders who are passionate about doing life outside of this building, taking care of each other, hearing that whisper in their hearts, this is church. And we have bridge groups meeting starting in June. And this is our promotion month. That's just one of the many stories that is coming out of groups meeting. Can I share a couple more with you? I remember one specific time I had a, a full day scheduled, and I, and I got this call. There was a lot of church-related stuff going on, meetings and sermon prep and all this kind of thing. And, and I got a call from this guy who just wanted to sit down and talk. And my first thought was, is you have no idea how busy I am. Can I just say that? <laughs> it, it's kind of hum- the humanness went inside of me. I told you we all fight it. I did. And he wanted to sit there and, and talk at McDonald's. And my first thought was, I don't have time for this, but I shuffled some things around and I went. And it was this older man who had lived a really long life, and actually it was full of violence and and gangs and motorcycle clubs and different things Um, but he had a heart for God and in his later years he had given his heart to God um, after he had a motorcycle accident and uh, he had, he, had given, and he spoke with a whisper because he, they put a trach into his, into his throat and just to save his life on the accident scene. Uh, and when they pulled it out and different things they were doing, it messed up his vocal cords. And so he's talking like this. And he's sitting there, and he's sitting here trying to tell me about what God had done in his life. And we're sitting across the table at McDonald's, and he's sitting there, and tears are in his eyes, pouring because of what God had done for him and how God had changed him. And I had so many things to do that day with, with, with prepping and for Sunday service. And as I sat there listening to this guy's story, that whisper came into my heart. This is church. This is it. Another time, there were three guys, and they were with the church, but they were actually sitting in a hamburger joint meeting in a smaller group. And I happened to be there with them, and uh, they just played basketball and uh we were all tired. We were hungry. And so we went to this hamburger joint. And as we sat there, this disheveled-looking guy walks up. And he says, hey, will somebody buy me a hot dog? Just kind of right up to the table. And everyone just kind of sat there and froze. And then the Holy Spirit kicked me right in the butt and said, say something. You know? And and I said, hey, I'll, I'll buy you a hot dog. And so, and I'm thinking, gosh, there's three pastors sitting at this table. And, not, and it just shocked us that somebody would say that. But just the humanity kicking in. And we're sitting there and and so I get up and I walk up and and we're walking to the table away from everything uh, or to the counter and I start talking to him and he starts telling me his name and tells me that that he hadn't had anything to eat that day. Um, And so he got more than one hot dog that day to take with him. But right before he left, I said, hey, can can me and and these guys pray with you? And he agreed. And so we walk back to the table and right there in this little diner, uh, we begin to pray for this man. And we begin to just ask God's blessings in his life. And later on, he told me, he said, you know, that, that's one of the most meaningful things anyone has ever done for us. No kudos to me, no kudos to these guys. It's the Holy Spirit that said, get up and say something. And by the way, this is church. This is church. Sat in a hospital room with a family as they watched their loved ones slip away into eternity. And they were sitting there and they were grieving with tears of sorrow in their hearts. Celebrating the fact that their loved one was going to heaven, but could not come to grips humanly with losing that person. Tears, pain in a way that can't be expressed with words. Just this, this groaning way down deep inside. Nothing can take that pain away in that moment. But to be there and to share that moment and to love them. Not say anything, but just to listen. And at the right time begin to offer a prayer. The phrase echoed in my heart, this is church. We're we're miles away from the church building, days away from the Sunday service, and yet God is whispering to my heart, more plain than anything I've ever heard in my life. This is church. Luke Sanders, week after week, goes to the soup kitchen right right here in town. He's probably going in just a few minutes. Are you? you? Not today. You ruined my story, man. No. (laughs) He goes every single week, guys. And he'll do it even more, planning things for outreach just this past week. And we're, we're talking through this. And, and he's sitting there at the soup kitchen, the volunteers that come and go. And they're serving these hot dogs week after week to these people that wouldn't have a meal otherwise. And the phrase is echoing in all their hearts. This is, this is church. Working in the office one day, I was getting ready for yet another service. And this guy comes in to fix the Internet. Um, and I, I heard God whisper to my heart, get up and go into the, the room with him. And this closet is like really small where the internet stuff was. And I'm like, what am I going to do, God? I, I told him where it was. And he said, go stand in there. And I'm like, I'm going to look so weird. And so I walk in there and I stand at the bottom of his ladder. And I didn't say anything because I didn't know what to say. And then I'm like, oh, great. He's going to turn around. And I'm going to scare the ever-loving daylights out of, out of him because he's just going to see me standing there. And he starts to, to look at me. And he's like, oh, hey. I said, hey, man. I said, so we, we just get to talking. I'm trying to think of anything to say. And I'm like, God, what am, what am I doing here? And God says, I just want you to be here. And before long, he starts asking about the church, and we begin to talk about the church. And, and then eventually, we, we walk out to his truck, and uh, we're sitting there talking. And as we stood in the parking lot next to his truck, he told me, he said, you know what? I really feel like I need my life to change. And I said, okay. I said, what's, what's going on? And he began to pour out his life and he said, you know what, it's crazy. He said, I wasn't even supposed to be here. He said, I'm actually from out of state. And they've actually called us in to kind of help fix some things for, for some of the companies that are nearby, some of the local companies. He said, I'm so glad I, I ran into you. And I, I sat there talking to this man and looking at his, his tear-filled eyes, getting ready to just go. I thought about all the work I had on my desk to do and everything. That just it all of a sudden, that just seemed not that important. And I heard God whisper the phrase to me this is church. This is church. Are we going to keep having services here? Yes. Are we going to keep singing songs here? Absolutely. Because you know what? When we reach our community, people just like that, we're going to funnel them in here. And But this isn't it. This is just the starting place. And then we're going to put them in bridge groups, hopefully, if they decide to stay here. I hope they do. But the biggest thing that you could ever do, the, the most important thing you could ever do is rid yourself of the stereotype that church is a building, that church is a weekend thing, but that church is me as a Christian, church is you as a Christian, living out the love of Jesus Christ and taking on him as an example, putting others before us, and giving people the time of day, giving people the the love that maybe you reserve for yourself or for someone else. Giving people the resources that you reserve for yourself because somebody else needs it or because you feel that whisper from God to, hey, give here. It's, it's, it's listening to the Holy Spirit say, I know you don't feel like you have time right now and it doesn't feel like it, but trust me, if you'll just say yes to me, I promise you all this will pan out. And you get to the place where you do that and you hear God say, this is church. So I, I just have a feeling that there, there's something more in your heart that you're feeling that church really is. And because in your day-to-day life, when you do something good for somebody else, whether it's that you listen to someone talk or that you are actually able to give to somebody in need, or maybe you're in your bridge group and you're able to pray for somebody else who needs encouragement, or maybe you just, you're just in a situation where you just feel the joy of a deepened relationship happening because of the bridge group you're in or the, or the serve team that, that you're in. And I have a feeling when, whenever that happens, you hear the same phrase I do, this is church. So what I wanna do as, as we close today is I, I wanna do two things. One, I wanna just pump up bridge groups one more time and say, if you are not in a bridge group, I want you to leave here today and I want you to get on the church app. I want you to go on the website and I want you to search through some bridge groups and find out how you can get involved. We have ones for Princeton, Goldsboro, Mount Olive. You can figure it out. But get involved with a group of people. And can I just be loving and say this as your pastor today? Don't just put your butt in a seat here on Sunday morning. Put your life in somebody else's during the week. Because you're going to hear God whisper that phrase to you, this is church. And then secondly, I want to pray for us today as we walk out of here that God will not just give us the courage to do something, because I get it. For some of you, it's like, you know what? It's the most anxiety-filled thing I could do is to try to get myself in a small group of people. But I, I want you to know the Bible says that in Christ Jesus, there is no fear. Not that you don't feel it humanly. It's there. <laughs> but when we depend on Jesus Christ, the Bible says it. that kind of love, that perfect love, it casts fear away. He said, you know what? I haven't given you the spirit of fear. God, I want you to know that whatever fears you have, whatever anxieties you have, whatever you're telling yourself the thousands of reasons why you can't do it because your schedule doesn't work, and because this, and because of that, and because they don't like me, and I probably won't like them, and and I'm just better off reading the Bible and and hearing Pastor Ryan or hearing somebody else. On listen, it's not about that. It's about investing your life in somebody else's and letting them invest theirs in yours. And that is when we'll hear that phrase. This is church. I just, I just want to pray for you. But before we do that, maybe today you're sitting here or you're listening online and and maybe the first relationship that you need to to have is one with Jesus because you've been kind kind of away from him for a long time or maybe your whole life and you feel like Jesus is talking to you today. Before you could ever offer anybody anything that's good, you have to fill up with something. And can I just be honest, me by myself, I'm not good enough for anybody by myself. I have to have the love of Jesus Christ in me. And maybe that's you today, and that's the first relationship that you want to gain from. And so can, we, can I just pray for you? Can we just bow our heads together? God, I, I don't know who it is in the room or listening online. God, but you do. You know hearts. I'm just a human being. I'm just obeying you and and being human and standing here and, and letting my spirit be open to what you tell me to do. Lord, but there's somebody here, somebody listening online that wants to say yes to you today. They feel it down deep. Holy Spirit, I pray for a boldness for them to say yes right now. And so I just want to give you the opportunity to do that. If that's you, I just want you to say yes to him. And I want you to pray this prayer with me. God, I need you. I believe in you. And I can't fix my life by myself there's a part of me that is empty and I trust you to fill it. Jesus, I believe that you came to this earth to take on my sin debt, that you really died for me and sacrificed for me and you really rose from the grave I believe that you did that for me I believe that you, you really died and really spilled your blood for me and really rose from the grave. You're alive today I'm, I'm, this is my starting point, it doesn't mean that I'm fixed but this is my starting point it means that I'm, I'm starting new and I'm giving you control of my life. I'm making you Lord. I give you the authority. I don't have all the answers, but I'm going to wake up every day and aim my heart at you and ask you to help me. I love you and I'm grateful for the opportunity. God, I pray for everybody else in the room who may uh, not be in a group or may not have given of themselves to, to invest in other people and allowed themselves the, the openness for other people to invest in them. I just pray for a boldness right now. It's, it's a, it's, we have bridge groups here and I pray God right now that they would walk out of this room and at the very least consider where they are in life and if that this church is the only this, this, uh, this church building and the church service is the only thing they do all week that resembles Christianity Lord that you challenge that. Holy Spirit thank you for your boldness that you don't condemn us Lord but man do you convict us and that's my prayer because you want to push us towards something better something that you intended something that's good for us sometimes that we can't see in ourselves. And so I pray for, I pray that you'd help people really see that today as they leave here in Jesus name. Lord, for those of us in the room that are already associated with serve teams, bridge groups, or surrounded by groups of Christians that we meet with regularly, that we can invest in. Lord, I pray for, and bold, and just to embolden uh, them, Lord, and, and to to reassure that, hey, they're on the right track to never give up, Lord, but to keep pouring in and keep opening themselves for other people to pour into them. Lord, let this community see. Let the people at our jobs see. Lord, let the people in our schools and classrooms see that we are your church, not because we have a certain bumper sticker or because we attend a certain place. Lord, but that we love each other and that we've given one another the time of life to be able to pour in and us pour out so that they can look at each other and they see the love that we have for each other and they can say, you know what? Jesus' words were true. They're truly the church. It's infectious, Lord, and I pray that 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 is what defines us. So that many people see you and that many people see your your life-giving characteristics and they accept you as their own. pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Can we just give it up for everybody who prayed that prayer to receive Christ today? Amen. Here's, here's, my, here's my challenge to you today if you prayed that prayer. Don't let your starting line today be your finish line. Don't walk out of here and not let anybody know. If you have a Connect card in front of you. I want you to get that out, and I want you to fill that Connect card out and check that box that says, I prayed to receive Christ. And I want you to take that to the ushers on the way back. We want to surround you. We want to come around you. We want to help pray for you and give you some potential next steps that you can take to get plugged into this church and the church. I love you guys so much. Happy Mother's Day to you. As you leave today, mothers, don't forget to get your gift when you walk out. We're going to continue this series next week. Church is. See you then.